0: Talk-time-live.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live.
1: Hey, what's happening? This is TC Carson, and you are listening to ACMG's Talk Time Live. And this is Kratos. Keep listening. It's time. Talk time. And let's get it. Talk time. Live. Anime comics, movies and games to come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Live. Anime comics, movies and games to come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Live.
0: welcome back to a special episode of acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah as i mentioned on the last episode with the baki review which is out right now um i wanted to talk about this movie i looked at this movie this week with everything going on and the idea was to do the baki episode and put everything in back in perspective and take time to take away from the minds of all that is going on just for at least an hour well you got that but in hindsight after watching this movie it struck a nerve with me so much that I was like I can't I would be so remiss if I did not mention or talk about this episode this is not a review don't get this straight and I'm gonna tell you off bat spoiler alert this movie is phenomenal and it should have gotten way more attention than it did as well as a lot of black movies that should have gotten way more attention, but it didn't just mercy starring Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx as they reprise the roles based on a true story of Walter McMillan and Brian Stevenson or Stevenson for that matter. Brian Stevenson was the Harvard Law uh, attorney, black Harvard Law attorney, I should add, that was fighting for the innocence of many who was wrongfully accused and arrested down south. And he had an uphill battle of all uphill battles uh in doing so he's he's now a world renowned civil rights defense attorney uh but at this point in nineteen ninety three that was not the case. He was just coming out of college and he just wanted to he wanted to fight he wanted to fight for people like um Mcmillan like Walter Mcmillan who was wrongfully accused of a murder of a young white teenager and While, you know, doing while in his own business, he's in the tree business. He was stopped by the cops because apparently there was a big setup by the cops to blame him for a murder and a crime that he did not commit. And you got to excuse me because. There is a possibility that I could get really emotional. I have the actual. Movie playing right now in front of me. And as I watched just only, only the first three minutes of this, epi- of this movie, as they take you from when Walter McMillan was doing his work, cutting down trees, that's his business to moving in and getting stopped by a horde of cops, him being scared out of his ass rightfully so. And them blaming him for a killing when he wasn't anywhere near the vicinity of that, att- that, uh, that murder. And it struck me. And it struck me. I empathize with this movie. And a lot of what I'm going to say is something that I said on my Facebook page. So some of the people on my Facebook page have seen it. Uh, I believe over 430 or 60 people have viewed it so far. Um, And then people also people on my ACMG group, uh, for those who watched it there, it's about a half hour that I talked about this because I empathize with this movie. There's a lot of what went on in this movie, went on with my life as well in 1993 right about the same time when this court case was going on believe I was 16 years old and I was stopped by the cops I was questioned I was told that I fit the description of a particular person who robbed a couple a teenage couple and what happened after that is that I ended up going to jail For an entire weekend with the idea that I robbed these two kids. Well, I was a kid at the time too. take note as well, but they were apparently robbed in the area. I used to live in West Philly right near Overbrook High School, Edgewood, which is like if you're in the Philly area, you know what this is. It's like Lansdowne Ave, Edgewood's right there. You walk up a few blocks, maybe three, four blocks up. You got Overbrook right there. So that's where I was and how I got from magically teleported from one point to the next of where they were saying that the robbery happened is beyond me, is absolutely beyond me. It doesn't make any sense. Not that I mentioned they never found a gun or anything to stick up anybody anyway where I'm at. My situation was I needed to actually, I needed to actually uh, head over to my uh, friend's cousin's house, Rob, who apparently had a he had a a cousin that he wanted me to meet and i didn't first of all take note i never got a chance to meet this girl never got a chance to meet this girl because just 10 steps away the cops come in and stop me pick me up rides me over to overbrook and then all of a sudden try to get me identified by the two people who couldn't identify me until i had a huge hoodie on And this is the 90s. This is 93. We were rocking a lot of big stuff. If you watch Martin, if you watch Living Single and all the stuff or Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when that first came out, everybody was rocking huge clothes that looked like our older brother, older sister would be rocking. So that was normal. So which means my coat is going to be huge. I had this really cool looking white um, winter coat with this huge hoodie, like, you know, almost in a sense like EPMD. And I was rocking it right there. And the hood was so big that when you put it on fully, it does—you can't see the face. You could only see, like, barely see the mouth. And when they put that on, it was then that they decided to convict—or not convict me, but arrest me—and you know, for for robbery, whatever. So I wound up at a youth study center. And just like I told in that video, the youth study center is not a place where students study to become scholars and become and and educate themselves no it is a juvenile detention center a mini jail for kids if you will kids who have done actual crimes kids who actually have done some major crimes depending on what floor you're in if like you're in the third floor is fine if you're in a fourth floor that's called the dark side that means there's some gun charges up there luckily i didn't nothing happened because i knew people in there you know but that's beside the point. I'm saying that to say that a lot of what is going on in this movie has happened to many black lives. Many black lives and no different here. Michael B. Jordan plays Brian Stevenson and he's, God, like I said, he has an uphill battle to come in. He goes in to check out a person that he was questioning about his situation, and he talked with him for a bit. And lo and behold, the cop comes in, says he's you know he's late from his schedule, and begins to brutalize the guy. And this is, I guess, this is Bryant, the character, or Michael B. Jordan, who's playing the real life character of Brian Stevenson. It's the first his first interaction to seeing police brutality in the in the prisons, and and how much they don't care about us. At that point, you would think to anybody else, they would just go away. But for Brian Stevenson, he decided to still fight back. And then for then years later, he started his own, you know, um, his practice, his own practice. And he wanted to fight for those who were wrongfully accused. It's we don't have that many heroes in our hood. And this guy is phenomenal. He is a true superhero to the community. And it's just awesome. And Michael B. Jordan did a phenomenal job, you know, playing this role and making it very convincing that this is, this guy is really, is absolutely willing to risk it all. Jamie Foxx. My God, what can you say more about Jamie Foxx, man? And if he can illustrate how heartfelt it was from Walt to be Walter McMillan I I, I got to look at some interviews to see uh his as he talks about him. which by the way I, sadly and I'm gonna go ahead of myself in this um this is unfortunate because of my experience at the Alzheimer's Association he actually passed away of early, early onset dementia and that was that to me was heartbreaking even more heartbreaking I mean a lot of what he went through and this is Walter McMillan the um the wrongfully accused uh man of murder which is the focal point of this movie. Um he went through a, a lot of hell. And almost set to die for a crime he didn't commit. He gets out. Spoiler alert. He gets out thanks to uh the hard work of Brian Stephenson and um his law office and and uh, Eva Ansley played by Bree Larson. Um He did it. He absolutely, they did a hell of a job trying to get this person out. Um, Also like the fact that this movie doesn't totally illustrate a picture that all white people are evil. Because Brie Larson character Eva was with uh, Brian through and through this entire time. She is one of those advocates that sees past they hate. She has a third dimensional mindset, and she is willing, absolutely willing, to fight for it by his side. You know, and and she's married with kids, and who could be put into danger, and they still all fought with him. So, and I, you know, shout out to all of my people out there, my non-black people out there who do, you know, fight by my side and fight by my culture side out there because it is greatly welcomed. And the idea is not for us to divide anymore. We need everybody to have a conscience, to have a heart. And there are people out there who do. And um, it's just amazing, like the way that they treated the inmates in here, as well as the way that they treated Brian, because they didn't like the fact that this highly educated, highly academic black man was coming in questioning them in ways that, are inarticulately in ways that you know nobody um, they didn't want people to or should do, let alone us. And they they tried to intimidate him so much, even when he went to go visit the uh, his his clients. They wanted to strip search him, and it was just they didn't. They were, and he knew that it was illegal to strip search. They knew. Now I am going to say like. I am very fortunate, I am very, very fortunate when I say that what I went through was nowhere near to the length and depth and severity of what McMillan went through. Not even, but being a 16-year-old kid locked up for something that he didn't do. The, and for, for, for all I know, for all that I know, they never caught the actual person that actually robbed the kids that claimed that I robbed. I never heard them. I don't know if this still happens today. I wouldn't be surprised. But. There is a term that, I, that I'm using for situations like this that. I believe some cops, and I'm not, not all cops, but I believe that some cops, some ro- some rogue, unethical cops and racist cops, do. An incident can happen, and apparently, you know they can't find the person that they're originally supposed to be looking for, and it's in our neighborhood. And what happens is, they will what I they will do what I would say fill in the gap that is to say that if they don't find the actual person they'll find the first person that even remotely close to fit that description it just so happened going back to my situation that that basically i fit the description that virtually everybody fit back in the day of course again it's 90 so we rocked a lot of similar things this was the baggy pants era this was like we rocking levi's blue jeans the like originally the style of timberlands was hot the first time it was hot was in the 90s right around that time and black timbs was the first really hot item for timberlands before we started rocking the tans the black ones were the ones and it was the ones that all the um the uh hip-hop artists were wearing all the stuff we were just we were we were in that era and also, you know, big baggy jeans, the coat. I I would add to that too. Um, you know, which is like cross color or you know, um, what is it like cross color, major damage, all that stuff. You guys remember that? Going to uh old like not old navy. Um, God, I forgot the name of those shops. Um, city blue. You know, going to places like that to get it. You know, get the the uh, African American college. You know, association, uh, the AACA stitch uh, deal with that. We rocked all that. And and I'm watching a uh, scene right now where they strip searching him, which, by the way, the cop that strip search him is very pivotal as well, because later on he winds up getting a new perspective on things that are going on. So, I mean, there is some interesting elements in this movie that happens, but um, it, it's rough. I, I, I couldn't imagine Living in the South. So basically, when they fit my description, it was just because I wore the same clothes. My facial features, none of that. And my eyes, none of that. None none of that. And the only way they can really identify me was when the hood was on me that covered three-fourths of my face and only had um, the mouth. Made no sense at all. And for that, I ended up in jail in an institution and on top of that on house arrest with a court date that was scheduled for a for at least a month or two now which means I was on house arrest the whole time and here's the big part if I was found guilty well let's just say you wouldn't we wouldn't be talking right now anything that I would have done anything that I would have done today um you know hosting panels at, com- at comic book conventions meeting Stanley meeting Molly Flanagan, you know, meeting a lot of great, wonderful people that has come into my life. None of that would have happened had I been found guilty for a crime that I did not commit. One of many that people have to deal with in my community. And, you know, so it, it this is just it's just crazy there also is another uh character in the in this in this movie that really 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 my god one of the most hard to watch moments in this is uh and i'm trying to figure out who this is Shea jackson also plays anthony ray uh hitting in here as well who also was released years later um thanks to brian as well he managed to get him out and proved his you know situation as well and which is a wonderful thing unfortunately it didn't happen for all because one of the inmates and i'm trying to find who wait actually i can find it right now on here Here we go. Let me go into the x-ray. Yeah, I believe his name. I might get this wrong. But um basically he was the he was the uh inmate with P uh PTSD. And it was so it was a really rough scene to see because he was troubled. He actually, apparently, he uh, according to the movie, he did commit a crime because of his PTSD and he put in a bomb, which actually did kill, unfortunately killed uh, a female, and which he regrets to this day because his mind is unstable. And I don't know for sure if they would have been able to charge him with, uh, you know, I forgot the term, but where is where you're not mentally you're mentally ill so you you know you weren't working within your means uh forgive me i forgot the term but this was that type of situation where uh he was in and you just felt so bad for what was going on because you knew this man was sent to the he was sent to the military at a very young age he went through a lot of trial and tribulation and trauma which led to him doing what he did and um, it's unfortunate because at the end Well, not at the end, but like part of the most uh, part of the part of the like most memorable moments. Unfortunately, is the scene where he was taken to the electric chair, and it it was it was beyond heartbreaking. Um, It's heavy because I looked at this movie and I'm like. Good Lord. Two things I I thought about when I looked at this movie. That could have been me. Number two. What would have happened if this happened? If what happened to me happened down south? I can't even fathom. I cannot even fathom. What would have happened? If I had this situation happen down south. And it's so bad down there. It is so so and it's still bad down there. I mean look, look what happened to um Ahmad look what happened to that man. It's insane. it is unbelievably insane what still happens down there. It's like time freaking stops and so you got Brian here who is constantly you know asking about all the inmates and asking about um Walter who who really really does not want him to help him because he thinks that it's just it's a lost cause like many of us when we're oppressed by the cops when systemic racism kicks in it hits us hard we don't we we do have some hope there are those who have hope in our community and who are strong enough to take the lashes the proverbial lashes that we take then there are others who just settle with it because they don't want to have to deal with all the BS that is going on in our world and it's hard because we try to process we we absolutely try to process everything that is going on in our world and we try to deal with it as best we can we handle things differently in a way that we shouldn't and this is what this is why they they all of a sudden issue with mental illness or you know trauma or traumatizing situations coming with us is because as black men we are taught to just work with it we talk to just keep it moving to you know move it forward to you know we use terms like man up and we use all that stuff and what we're actually doing is just stuffing a lot of crap into a hole or a box that at this point is about to explode because it can hold no more and what happens when it happens you see what happens with these riots That's what happens when we see stuff happen too far, when we see Breonna Taylor, when we see Ahmaud Aubrey, when we see, you know, um, George Floyd. That we can stuff no more in a box. That box is ready to explode and whatever happens happens from there because nobody's hearing us and they're trying to kill us and they're trying to stuff us away. And rid ourselves of all of our existence, whether it be. Lynching, slaying, killing, or even in the corporate world, even in the in the work world, blue collar world, white collar world, they try to hold us down mentally and physically. And when I say they, I mean the racist, which doesn't exactly mean all white people. It means those who are afraid of change and afraid to accept that somebody may be able to, you know, to be able to be just as good as them or work as hard as them or have equal ability or better ability. And for that, for years, for generations, they decide to set us up. They decide to keep us down. They decide. And I've been through the situation of being wrongfully accused, And I've been in a situation, I've been in a working environment where I've worked for 10 years diligently. Got my degree while in there working and doing an actual, you know, side business doing ACMG and still not elevating into that, still in a low level job, still not able to make a living for myself, not to have a family for myself, for my wife, for every that's what happens. That is exactly what happens. Some people get out, but it's also that's the term token. You know, you get one of those people who who are able to get out and get somewhere and do it. And what it does at that, it the community who is already hurt looks at that person and begins to resent them because they want the same thing. They want those same opportunities, but they can't get it because somebody they know do. And even if that person got it because he worked his ass off or she worked her ass off to get it, it creates that resentment. And they don't want to believe in you. They don't want to follow you. They don't want to, you know, support you. And it's all stemming from systemic racism organized for generations. That's what this does. That is exactly what this does. So it is... It is unfortunate it is absolutely unfortunate and the guy i believe was named herbert richards um what is his name i'm looking at it right now herbert uh, richardson which is played by rob morgan and he he did absolutely phenomenal here and uh it, it's 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 just sad it's just sad we've been going through this for far too long and it needs to stop so in this film There's a lot of things that are going on and occurring during this film too, and there's you know the minute Brie Larson's character Eva, uh, Eva Ansley, because she's working with Brian Stevenson, she gets a threat. They threat her. They get they they call bomb. They like bombing her or supposedly bombing her place. There was a scene in here where they're working on a. working on the uh, the the case and she gets a call and these races you know this racist white guy calls says that you know calls her big calls her you know you know uh end lover whatever and tells her that she has a bomb in the house with her kid and her husband and brian in there they rush out luckily nothing was found but the guys start rolling back and they, and they see what happened you know it's stuff like that we got to talk about Sheritate. tate Sheriff Tate is the is the actual sheriff that headed the entire uh, situation with Walter McMillan. He is the guy that is controlling everything. He is he controlled this entire thing. He controlled the DA or the lawyer that was uh, backing his situation up and put him away. He um, it's it's just it's it's unbelievable. Uh, played by Michael Hardy. Who I've seen in many uh shows and movies or whatnot, um he he did he played his part. He played his part to a T. Very convincing racist dude. And he was not holding back. He did not even in this movie hold back. And and he he just basically admit that he was what he was in here. Um I tell you, the luckily for them. That there was an actual there was actual uh proof that the character that um walter was innocent and i got to find yeah it was basically tim blake and i um, tim blake nelson you might remember tim blake nelson the minute i saw him i immediately like what well, i got excited because that's supposed he was originally supposed to play the leader in the incredible hawk marvel studios movie which they never did do a sequel for and i've always hated that they didn't do it he also played on the Watchmen as well uh the recent hbo watchman so he played on here uh where do they have him yeah tim uh, he played ralph myers who was a very intricate and pivotal role in here because this he played he played as the person that uh Sheriff Tate actually spoke to in regards to whether he saw anybody uh around when they when the murder happened originally Ralph Myers said that he did not but they coaxed him to actually say that he did in order to uh frame Walter for some odd reason I don't know why they wanted to frame him of all people but to frame him and to fill the gap And to basically, um, you know, get his sentence shortened and not be on death row. At first, he said that he wasn't going to do it. And there's there was they lo and behold, later on, they found out that there was tape and footage of them, of him actually saying that he he didn't see anything and there was nothing. There was nobody around anything. And then all of a sudden he did a second, uh, a second testimony that said he did. And, and the timestamp of the tapes didn't matter. Now, this also reminds me of, again, when I was arrested at one section of uh, West Philly to a whole nother section of West Philly because Overbrook is in one place, but it takes forever to walk to get to the place where they were or run, even run to the place where they were to where I'm at. And I was walking in, in the opposite direction towards Overbrook. So if I'm, honestly, I would think if I was actually... If I rob somebody at Brook and I'm all the way over there. I'm thinking like, no, you wouldn't go towards that area. You would go away from that area. I was coming towards that area because I was going to robs house, which is my friend Chris's cousin to meet his his, uh, his cousin. And it's just it's just amazing how they tried to put that together and a lot of times they think that like we're not going to say anything about it so they will eventually they will eventually you know just take you in thinking that you're not going to uh say anything about it say you know and and me being 16 me being 16 at the time they were going to think they're like well he's not he how who's going to believe him (laughs) Oh, somebody believes me. And thank goodness they did. Because my mom, thank goodness, my mom, who unfortunately had to suffer through all this, had to really panic and be scared of the fact that her son, her 16 year old son, her 16 year old black son was missing for three days and away from the house for three days. And then found out that not only was I at 50th and Pine, but they transferred me over to the Youth Study Center and I couldn't get out to that Monday. So I had to stay over there all all, the whole entire weekend. I mean, what can I say about the Youth Study Center? I got to see Eddie Murphy Delirious. That's great. I knew some people that that I knew that was in there as well. Yeah, that's great and unfortunate. But imagine you being a mom and actually having to have your son or daughter missing. For three days, not knowing where they are. Come to find out, you get a call from for them saying that you're in jail. Because I didn't have a chance to call. Just take a runner to think about that, mom. And my late mother. <laughs> God, she fought me. She fought with me. Really, really well in this whole thing. I mean, I I, I said it before and I'll say it again. I wasn't no angel and I caused a lot of havoc during high school. I was a kid from a divorced family. And, you know, what do the kids do? They lash out. They rebel. They do a lot of stuff during, especially during high school. And I'm 16. For God's sakes. But no way, shape, uh, no way, shape or form was I ever robbing anybody. I've never even held a gun. Ever. Ever. And nor do I ever want to. Never. I don't know why, but I hold a sword before I actually hold um, a, a gun. Nah, I can't. I will not ever. So, I mean, it, it, it's it's just unfortunate right there. there uh, moving back to the movie, there's a scene where. Um, where Brian meets up with uh, Ralph Myers, played by Tim Blake uh, Nelson. I mean, not Ralph Myers. I'm sorry. Um, what is the guy's name? I just lost him. uh i forgot ralph uh spall plays tommy chapman tommy chapman plays the da the crooked da i might add he plays in his um he plays the uh, da who was part of the whole setting up the situation and literally sat there with brian you know going going in with circles with him and he's one of the guys is like how dare you know more than me about my about law and he was in on it the whole time and they were working him and sheriff tate were working their hardest to make sure that uh walter was not getting out they they worked their ass off because you know if they find out that they were mixing up and and messing around with actual uh evidence and and false evidence that they're gonna get sued and they're gonna get in trouble and their credibility is gonna be down well (laughs) come to find out they've done this a lot (laughs) They've done this a lot. And even unfortunate, even after all of that, the damn the real life sheriff Tate actually stayed in office till he retired. This is our system, people. This is our justice system. This is our justice system. So moving on to that, they went to court, had all their evidence, had everything going on, got a court date. You had a lot enough evidence to get a court date even got, he talked to my, Brian even went as far as to talk to Myers to try to get him to confess that everything was a lie. The first time around he didn't. And then he, and then Brian uh, Stevenson found the tapes uh, that had the audio confession of him and found out that there were actual early uh, records of his confession of his uh, testimony to which that will reveal that he was innocent that he did not see Walter McMillan in the area of the of the actual murder at all and that was enough proof to go well, at least at least we thought it was so he asked Myers to uh, Ralph Myers to go to court to testify that he what he said was all a lie and eventually he did and Tim Blake Nelson dude is no joke as an, as an actor really side note right here he looked just like the original dude he had his mouth drooping on the side and everything and then the southern accent he played that role insanely good because when he showed the picture of what he looked like uh what the real um ralph myers looked like at the end i was i was really really i was like wow he he, he outdid himself He outdid himself in this one, he really put us all into this. So, Roth Myers was afraid, he was in court, he was at the bench, he was afraid at first. Um, and lo and behold, he will end up revealing and telling that the truth. And you thought that that would have been enough, plus, along with the evidence that they had, but then for some reason, the judge at that time for that particular case. Was not trying to hear it, and they still, you know, when you thought that uh, Walter was going to be free at that moment, the judge still ruled over all of that evidence, all of the confessions, think in saying that um, Myers was forcing, he was being forced to tell uh, a another trial. <laughs> it was just so crappy, and I might be going ahead of myself, but there is also, um, you know, I liked this scene where. Uh, Brian meets the actual uh, Brian gets a chance to meet the entire family of uh, the entire McMillan family it was a great scene because apparently they've looked for lawyers before and every lawyer wouldn't even come near their area and I guess saying that they were white lawyers who didn't care Brian felt right at home and what I love about Brian Stevenson uh, in this movie and in real life is that He's very empathetic about the cases that he's taken. And they they pointed it out in here, whereas... Now, I think it was Eva that pointed it out and said that he basically puts all of his heart into his case. When when lawyers are normally told to separate yourself from the client. He puts it in like it's at home. There's a scene in here where he meets the family and it winds up being the entire neighborhood. (laughs) So he's trying to you know he's trying to get some character information based on on Walter and such and um, his son apparently finds out that uh, a friend of his knew that uh, Walter McMillan was innocent because he was nowhere near at the time and he was an alibi only thing is he was afraid to tell anything because of the fear of the cops harassing him and abusing him which unfortunately they did. They absolutely did as a result, but this is the this is what people or this is what people in my community have to deal with. This is what absolutely people in my community have to deal with, and it's it's inhumane. Inhumane on all aspects. Not just from a cop standpoint, but from a you know working standpoint, from just a social standpoint. I mean, we've seen all the Amy Coopers and everything out there who weaponizing, you know, you know, their phones to use to cops, you know, to call cops. This all needs to stop. This absolutely needs to stop. We have value. And we definitely deserve to be shown with value. We're not just a voice. We're also visions. We're also power. We're also assets to our community, to our country. And we need to get rid of those who are too afraid to. Because if they don't choose to want to do it, then I'm sorry. We Something needs to be done. Something needs to be done with people like that. And it's a crime that we keep letting this happen. It is. So, it, it, you know, going back to the court scene when they decided to rule, you know, against Walter McMillan and, you know, not and not held him, um, you know... It, it, the, the case was was thrown even with all the evidence even with everything there um cj uh, leblanc i want to talk about because he played the son uh john mcmillan his son and you could see the you could see the frustration in his face and you could see the family after all that, when he when all hope was coming and like there's no way that they can't prove that he's free, he's he's free, and then the judge rules over she. I mean, he decides to he decides not to go in the favor of McMillan, even with all that. As a man, I totally get what John McMillan was going through. He's the, he's the man of the house now. And they went through a lot they've been working on this for years of frustration years of frustration i mean you could see the anxiety and and the uh and the emotion in cj leblanc's uh you know portrayal all through this movie and when they decided to keep him in jail and keep these uh death row sentences going what else was john to do and they and 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 Brian was Brian and the mom was trying to stop him because they were going to arrest him too and they did and it's unbelievable it's just unbelievable and I keep saying that but again I keep thinking like I was in court I could have been in the same situation I could have been in a really really bad situation and when you go to court people and you get arrested and you convicted. That means, especially if you're convicted for a crime that you didn't commit, that means you can be in jail for years. Your whole life is done. You have this criminal record. Even when you come out, as you know, you're not looked at the same. You're not treated the same. You're even treated worse than you were before. I wouldn't be able to vote. I would not be able to do this podcast. I would not be able to, well, I'll probably be able to do this podcast under the circumstances, but I'll be looked at so badly. I wouldn't be able to have anything. I wouldn't be able to I probably would be able to go to college, but at this, at that point, would I? Because my life would have been changed. Time changes. The evolution of society changes when a person gets out. And so much to the point is the equivalent of somebody isolating themselves in a basement for years, never seeing the sun, never seeing life, not knowing, not knowing that we advanced to from from rotary phones to smartphones, a total culture shock happens when it happens. Your life is damn near gone. You're going to fall into depression. You're going to fall into something. And unfortunately, with Walter McMillan, he fell into early onset with all that mental, uh, you know, frustration that is piled on for years of all that. Can you imagine? If that was actually you. If that was your son, if that was your mom, if that was your dad. And, you know, imagine that. Just unbelievable. It it is really not unbelievable because it actually happens. Now, going to my case, I was in I was in uh, house arrest the whole time, which was no big deal to me because one, I didn't I hung around, even though I hung out with some cool people and some not so cool people the thing i did the most was just stay in the house and play playstation or read comic books the whole entire time like i hung out with, with people but i had my own you know solitude my own form of solitude i was i was chilled the whole entire time so that wasn't a big deal because all i was doing was playing genesis the whole time my my um parole officer my po at the time you know he looked at me and, and he told my mom like look the dude had a, judge, a good judge of character. And like, I don't think I'm going to have to worry about him. He called me up every so often to check up on me and everything, see what I was doing. I had my ankle bracelet to see if I was going to go too far or whatever, like that. And no, I never did. Never did. It just, I was just a regular house arrest. And I, and I managed to get through it. That was not a big deal at all. So. And I didn't make it a big deal because, one, I was innocent and I realized that I had to prolong that. Also, here's another thing. We talked about him, you know, Brian finding evidence. I had to find my own evidence here. So me being the artist, why I love art right now and always will be forever, is that I before there was such thing called the Internet and Google Maps. And before the Internet got this big and, you know, for the World Wide Web to be able to do what it's doing now, they didn't we didn't have that operate. Those assets. I had to draw a map and I decided to draw a map that. Highlighted where I was in accordance to where that robbery was at the times that they were to just to let the court cases know that. They did not sync together properly nor did the direction and the timing that way i even timed how long it took me to get from my house to over to rob's house in accordance to the time that they had from there and this is why to this day if you're if you're any of my friends listening right now or whatever this is exactly why i am so i i remain to be on point with everything that i do that i am diligent about what i do anal if you will if you want to put it that way I am extremely diligent about what I do. When it comes to CPT time, that doesn't mean color people time to me. That means corporate people time. That means I get out and i make sure and everything's on point because I don't want to be told that I did this or I did that or I'm I'm responsible for any type of failures or any type. That's just not the way I roll. So if you want to know why I, one, I do the things that I do, but at the same time, why I've accomplished what I have, this is part of the story. Of why that happens. This is a big part of it. So the other thing I want to point out too as far as my situation is that they had Brian Stevenson to fight for them. I didn't have Brian Stevenson because when I was in the city, and I might to this to this extent say thank goodness, because I again I cannot imagine what I would have went through if I was down south and all this happened. But I did have somebody very interesting, extremely significant, and well known. My mother, I don't know how to this day, and unfortunately, God bless her soul and love you for life. She had a lawyer that she's been working with for quite some time on some other things. I don't know if I don't know what other practices that this man has done, but she worked with him for some other situations. And in particular, he decided to help me with this one. Because she, heard, she told him my story. The story sounded, you know, I guess it didn't sound right to him. So for that, he decided to want to work with me on my case and prove my innocence. And if you're listening to this, like I said, those who are on Facebook know what I'm talking about right now. And those who are uh, in the Philadelphia area may know this. The gentleman, the lawyer that defended me was named David O., If that name sounds familiar for you, it sounds any way familiar to you, uh, it is that David O. It is a man who would later on become our city councilman in Philadelphia. Uh, It's now former, I believe, if I'm correct, city councilman, because they had their election already. And there has been a passing of the guards. But nonetheless, even before he was, he was a lawyer. Um, David O uh, is uh, is from the Asian community and he fought... To prove my innocence, he believed in me. Say what you will about him. If you know him that well, say, you know, you, there's some things that you may like, there may be some things that you don't like. He is Republican, but guess what? Don't care. He gets full credit, as I said before, for him looking beyond everything and willing to help me out and willing to get me out. He's still fighting to this day. The man is still fighting to this day. He's still trying to get out Eric Riddick that was put away for a suspected murder way back around the, around the same time that I did. The same time, it was 92, 92. So like a year later, I guess I came in. So he's been fighting then. And unfortunately, he couldn't prove his innocence. He's still fighting He's still fighting. This dude is 2020. He's still fighting. So, God. I'm extremely lucky of everything that happened. David defended me. He helped me. And between everything that we were able to give him, And everything that I had in a situation that happened in that court case, I was able to get out. And I understand how fortunate I am. And what even made it worse, because in that court case, not only did we have a lot of evidence and in what we said made no sense to what the the cop or anything was saying to that nature, the guy, the kid. I keep calling him kid. He's about my age, probably by now. But I'm saying the kid at the time, the kid that you know pointed the finger at me, who by the way went to my school at Overbrook High when I went there. And side note, he started a fight with me because he thought I robbed him and got all his crew together to all to all uh one, he, like jump me. Now I'm gonna tell, give you a little lesson here. Whenever you get into a situation. If you ever get into a situation at school like this, and I'm not saying this is kind of a situation that you can't get. I don't condone fighting at all now, <laughs> now, but I will say this. I will tell you this. Um, if you're in a situation that you can't get out of, such as like your, it's you against like four to five other people here. And you know that you're unless you know martial arts where you could take out multiple people, which I don't. I'm I'm all brawler. The best thing to do is just focus on one person and get as many licks on that person as possible, which that is something that I did. You know, at least you could get credit for taking out one person as opposed to five and everything. And yeah, after that, a bunch of Timberland boots, you know, hit me, uh, hit me hard. They plotted on me. It was during, and that was during the auditorium. That was during an assembly at our school where we actually had something going on and all of a sudden they found where i was i sat all the way in the back because i'm a clown like that at the time i sat on the back and that's next thing you know i get sucker punched from the side i turn around and there's him and his crew and they didn't think that i was going to do anything They didn't think i was going to run i'm like no nah, that ain't happening i jumped over the actual chair and just got at it and got for whoever and, and got my target person, which was the dude. So, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it just it just happened that way. But, and he's stupid me because I'm 16. I'm stupid. I didn't think that that could have helped majorly in the case. That, like, him just doing it because he, that's a big no. He should not have been able to do that. And that could have, that could have really, really damaged him even more and there's possibilities i could have countersued him for that but i'm 16 we're kids and kids are told like you got to tough it out you got you can't you know you can't like um snitch or whatever like that you just gotta you gotta man up again one of those deals so i did what i did you know i you know i i got in with the fight and we just kept it we just kept moving we just waited for that court case from after that point so that court case came and and for some reason, I sixteen-year-old kids don't think rationally. Because six-year-old me wasn't worried because all I kept thinking was like, I know I didn't do it, and I got the proof, and I can tell, I can prove how I didn't do it. Forty-three-year-old me, if that was happening now, would have been scared out my ass on the fact that, like, even if I had that evidence. They can still over overthrow that because I can, it is a possibility that they're just trying to, you know, get me and try to get me out. There's a big possibility of that. But not in this case. I was so confident about getting out. I was determined to prove my innocence because I refused to be, I have to go to jail. I refused. So in a court case, you know, you do you do your deal. And lawyers come out, you know, David was ready. I was ready. You know, mom's ready. My old friend, Chris, and his mom, who was there, Lois Johnson, rest in peace. She was her. and My mom were really good friends, just as good as me and Chris. And um, he knows this story too well. But she was a very motherly, but hard ass woman she was a badass but she also knew that i didn't do it either and believe me too and knew that this stuff goes on both her and my mom knew that this stuff happens um so i still had that code i didn't change that code that's all the only code i had and that came with me and you know there was an empty chair next to um miss johnson lois and which they put my coat on while we were, me and David O was at the uh, the table, you know, as the court was on. And I noticed, now I'm looking back, that Miss Lois actually folded my, unbeknownst to her, take note, unbeknownst to her, she folds my coat inside out. You know, like mothers do, primp and prompt, the whole type of, you know, things around nicely, you know make sure it's no wrinkles whatever she did that to my coat on the chair so all you see is the inside of it now i want to point out that the defendants the kid who blamed me had a friend who also brought the same coat i guess to say guess to try to see if i wasn't going to bring my coat or to let them know that i had this coat or they, they had the same coat which you know we all had okay there's a point in that in the case where they wind up uh, asking questions, and they ask you to point out the people that you want, and all this stuff. The kid actually, and I say the kid because I don't know the guy's name to this day. I never knew the guy's name. I I think I did at one point, but it just I like whatever, whatever. So the the uh, I guess the um, the defense attorney was up, and he was at the bitch, and he, he, she asked, she asked him whether he can point out the person who robbed him, and he pointed to me, because that's what you got to do, she then, she then asked him, can you point out to what he was wearing at the time of the robbery, yes, he pointed to a coat, which had Which he pointed to a white coat that looked like the one I had, the one I brought to the court case, the one that Miss Lois folded up nicely, prim and proud. Then, this is the question that really killed it. The defense attorney then asked him, Whose coat is it? As the, the, the. as to say because the question the answer that he was supposed to come out of his mouth was that is my coat but she didn't realize (laughs) she didn't realize that we both had the same coat there and he was supposed to point at my coat instead those bumbling I don't want to call them bumbling idiots but those guys pointed to his friend's coat and she said that coat, and, and she then, the defense attorney then asked, whose coat is that? And then he said, that's my friend's. Because we knew that the idea was for her to have him point out that that was my coat. And he identified the, that, you know, that was me. And what happened there was that that flipped up the whole entire case. I don't want to say this, but everybody in the court was laughing because they knew he screwed up his description of me. Because he he pointed to the wrong one. That was probably probably one of the most intricate moments of that court case. And I think that might have been the turnaround of why they actually, uh, why the case got turned. Along with the evidence and, you know, testimonies that we put in. But that right there was, it, even the judge was laughing at that time. <laughs> because they knew, it was like, okay, you obviously... Pointed him out for mistaken identity. And in fact, at the end, when it all came about, the judge ruled in my favor, arrested for mistaken identity. And I was free to go. Case closed, I was innocent. Thank goodness David O was there. My mother was there for support. And Miss Lois, God rest your soul. I love you. Always did, always will and you know it was there because <laughs> <laughs> who knows the way that, that could have turned out and things could have turned out and it was just proven like and we went on from there and it was like proven like you really couldn't tell whether it was me or not there was so many examples of that during that case of saying that it wasn't me and the kid, and who who's to say that the cops didn't you know persuade him to say that that was me because the fact that I, again, had to put on a hood that only showed my mouth and not my face, not my eyebrows, not my eyes, not my facial expressions, any of that. You couldn't see any of that. And the fact that I was coming from a different area, opposite of where that was at. God, it, come on, man. I can't imagine how that would be. And thank goodness it didn't go. I you, I, I can't speak for this. I don't know what David did in the process of leading up to that court case or what happened. But he he made me feel like during the whole process that, you know, everything was going to be okay. Not to say that this was an open shut case, but everything that was everything that I, from my testimony on to the whereabouts and everything was going to be proven. Now take note that big, that really huge scale map that I did. We never even used it. at that point we never even needed it i never had to go through any of the things that brian stevenson went through that um walter mcmillan had to go through and take note god again down south is so crazy i'm at the scene right now where michael b jordan or as brian stevenson is you know driving in the dark and they immediately come after him and uh antagonize him and look at all his evidence and everything trying to mess with him this is ridiculous. This is exactly what's going on right now. And they put it and he's trying to question him as to why you're stopping me. And instead, because he knows he has the right to ask him, they put out a gun on him. They would never do this to anybody else but us. So, I mean, luckily, and look at this fool. This he's looking at all of his evidence, looking at all of his paperwork. This is so unethical is extremely unethical and immoral and inhumane. All of it. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. I'm just grateful. I am so grateful that I didn't get, have that experience, but not to say that my experience wasn't any worse or better. It, it, it was an experience like many of us have out there. And it's crazy. So luckily in the movie, even though they got the court case, uh, they lost the court case. They found another way by going to the, um, I believe they were going to the Supreme Court to actually overturn that uh, case and get a new trial, which they did because of the evidence that all came about. And Brian did the greatest thing ever, and I love it. He went on sixty minutes. I gotta find that. I gotta find the original segment with that. He went on sixty minutes. To talk about the case and how they're trying to screw him over. And that, you cannot, once you get on TV, it's done. Once you get on TV, it is absolutely done. And you plead your case and, and the narrative gets put in. And everything's just edited properly to make sure that you don't understand what's going on. Done. Done. And now the entire country is putting weight on Georgia. Or whatever down part of South they were at, and now my man gets a second case. But unfortunately, like you know, Walter is just so spent. He's attacked. He's so he 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 kind of lost all hope at the point after the case. But they still went and they did another one. And at that point, before the court case came in, um, Brian winded up having a meeting with um what is his name with uh the da because what they were doing was they're going to try to find a way to prolong the actual court uh hearing in a court case to try to drag it out so tommy chapman ordered he, he for some reason ordered an extension And the extension was going to lead into where he was, um, you know, going into death row so they can still like they were just going to great lengths to try to make sure that they weren't, you know, that they weren't discovered as faulty and uh, false. And when they were doing unethical means. So Brian actually went to Tommy Chapman's house, spoke with him, made him be the voice of reason. Which then by the time. And he whatever he at the time he convinced him enough because when that court case came in, Chapman changed his whole entire demeanor and it asked for a uh asked to an agreement to have a plea of uh pardon. Which means Walter was finally free after all that. After all of that. And God, this whole this movie from start to finish, had you on a ride in a very emotional ride and um again it's really sad that at the end of all this and being free that he had early onset dementia after all this i the good thing is at least he got to spend time with his family but god they i I, so much man so much and then later on we said that anthony ray hit uh was freed thanks to Brian as well and other people, many others, many, many others. Um, Brian, his, his, uh, law firm grew even bigger and now more people are involved and they still going at it right now. And man, shout out to him. Thank Thank you. Thank you for being the hero that we need, especially in the deep, 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 deep of it all. Cause we need way more of you out there and there are out there, but not only do he needs to be fighting, like we all need to be fighting together now. Like not only are people outside of our culture are starting to learn more things, but I think we are starting to learn more about uh, the means of systemic racism and all forms of different type of racism. And now how we're going to, we're starting to get around of how we're going to fight it. And we're doing it together, and this hopefully this will keep going from this point on. I urge all of you, outside of the black community, to listen to this, to listen to everything that you hear, to watch these movies, to talk to us, to look at what you're seeing right now, to talk to talk to your people in your community, weed out, find out who's those who's the one dimensional minded ones out there. And help us make change. Help us get the equality that we've been learning, looking for for God knows how long. And it's only getting worse. And as long as people at the higher up and the high top of the mountain keeps creating chaos, it's only going to get worse. And we got to fight back. It's now or never, now and forever. Pretty much. So I'm not grading this movie at all. This movie speaks for itself. I highly recommend that you all check it out. I highly recommend that you all check out your friends. If they're people of color, if they're black, if you're black family members, check up on them because you never know what the hell they're going through. You don't know. And trust me, silence is its own enemy. So even if you're not saying anything, even if you think that you're advocating, even if you could say, I got black friends, I got black kids, whatever. No it still doesn't matter if you're not fighting for them if you're not reaching out to defend it's just not go check out this movie Just Mercy should have got a freaking Oscar for God's sake go out check it out check out all the movies that are available if you got Amazon Fire right now uh, or Amazon Prime with the amazon fire tv on air there are a bunch of uh movies out right now selma i am uh i am not your negro salute birth of a movement marshall um just so many a documentary on the black panthers life is life of a king marcus garvey uh you name it educate yourself in any and every way because you'll find out why we matter you find out why we're such fighters Check us out. Be a part of this. Help us become a better country. This is supposed to be the greatest country in the world. We've been BSing for so long on that. Let's make it for real. Let's all do it together. Because that's what it's all about. All lives don't matter. Until our lives matter. Until the LGBTQ community <laughs> matters. Because guess what? You rid You get rid of all of us. Guess who's next? Anybody who's different. The hate will will try to absorb and, and, and uh, eat eat away. That's just how it is. We all need to work together. So you want all lives to matter? Well, make sure that black lives matter first. Then we can work on that. Should have been that from the first place. So I can't go along and rant, but people... If Again, if you don't think, if you think that you don't know a person that has been through this and they're black, you're wrong. Guarantee you everybody has a story of their own. This was mine. That was, uh, that was, uh, McMillan's. And it happens so damn often. When will it end? That's up to all of you. And I'll just leave it at that. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for listening to this very special episode of Talk Time Live. I really appreciate it. Thank you so, so much. Um, Let's keep this fight going. Let's keep it going and keep it growing. Let's fight. It's a fight for us, but it's a fight that involves everybody and affects everybody in a certain way, one way or the other. Cause and effect can make some good and make some very bad. And we've all witnessed this in the last few weeks to the last few months here. And we still got COVID that we got to deal with as well. So, I mean, damn. <laughs> so, you know, that will do it. And I thank you guys again. Check us out on talktownlive.com You can also subscribe and download. If this is the first time you've been on this show, I thank you immensely for checking us out and check out all our other episodes. Cause normally this is a show about anime comics, movies, and games. And usually the movies are from a little bit more fun and exciting. This one, we had to, we just had to do it. Um, so you can check us out when we do movie reviews, game reviews, have guests on the show that you will definitely love. If you're a fan of anime, comics, movies, and games, you can download and subscribe to our show on Spotify iHeartRadio, Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, Pocket Cast, and all Amazon devices. And you can also go to TalkTimeLive.com as well, as I mentioned. You can also, when you go to TalkTimeLive.com, you can head over to the uh, exclusive page, which is on the right tab. And uh or if you're, on the actual, if you're on a computer, actually, it's on the top. If you're on a, um, your phone, it's usually on the, right, on the left. And you click on the tab, you click on Talk Time Live exclusives, and there you will find exclusive interviews with over 40, 40 of the most known and hottest names in all of our favorite fandoms, including Molly Flanagan, uh, Chris Battle, the artist from uh, Teen Titans Go, uh, George, uh, Jeffrey Thorne, the writer, producer, showrunner, actor, from the heat of the night by the way but he uh he's the guy responsible for black panther's quest that just came out on disney uh xd just recently um tom Givis, the voice of shikamaru naru from naruto you know uh my man jamar nicholas uh who who's the author of the car- and cartoonist of leon the protector of the playground I highly recommend that um talk to mike herman who's still in process of making Retromania wrestling that's coming out uh soon uh, looks like it's going to be an extension there uh josh shiranoff if you're a wrestling fan you definitely want to listen to those episodes um the team of way forward adam, adam terny bannon rotis and just recently matt Bolzen uh for Shante and the seven sirens so i have all of those interviews up i got um who else did i get on there just me, ben fiquette All the way from Paris, France, talking uh, Streets of Rays 4 recently. So you never know who's going to be on the show. You never know who's going to be on the show. Um, If you go to, you know, if we ever have comic book conventions this year again uh, and you're in Philadelphia, there's a big chance that I will be doing one at Keystone Comic Con and we're still keeping our fingers crossed for that too. So I'll say that as I say that I am realizing that I am extremely blessed with my life. And it could have been far worse. I had many near-death situations in my life and life-changing situations, much like I just the one I just told you. Um, and I'm just blessed that I was able to persevere through all that, not unscathed, unfortunately, but I was able to do that and use my energy and artistic skill to do what I'm doing right now. And I am extremely grateful. And I tell to, this to all my people in my community, this is why I am so adamant and so strict and so serious because we have to work harder than mostly everybody because we're being pushed back so far. And I not only push myself, but I got to push people as well. So it always upsets me when I get people who take things for granted, especially in my communities. It, 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 it really irritates me, but always noted that there are good intentions to all of it. And there's a bigger goal to all of it. And trust me, if you put in the work, you will get you will definitely get it. So I'll leave it at that, folks. Thanks again. And um, keep on following. Like I said, next week, uh, we'll what did I say I was going to do next week. <laughs> it's just been a hell of a week. Hopefully, if everything cools off and gets better, we'll um, have another show to do something else. Uh, Select Start. If we do another show for Select Start this week, pending that everything starts to calm down more uh, as, as the time goes by, we will be, uh, I will be reviewing Tales of Vesperia, which uh, I have attempted to play again after coming on the Xbox, uh, playing it on the Xbox 360, but never finishing it. So, And hopefully, we'll get other game news, especially uh, maybe, hopefully playstation 5 news if everything calms down and and again thank you sony thank you nickelodeon thank you uh amazon prime thank you everybody every company who has stood by us and said it's time to stand for something and stand for our worth and our value thank you for that thank you it is not going unnoticed so folks that will do it on behalf of myself uh this is dax savior josiah saying learn to let go live life love all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live i am out here folks have a great week take care and be safe